Welcome back to another episode of Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, your host and your guide, as we dig deeper into the book of Exodus. Today we're going to start in Exodus chapter 21, and we have a long section here all about laws of restitution. So reading from Exodus chapter 21, beginning with verse 33, going through chapter 22, verse 15. When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. When one man's ox butts another, so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox, and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed over, or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best in his own field and in his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns, so that the stacked grain or the standing grain or the field is consumed, he who started the fire shall make full restitution. If a man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep safe, and it is stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. For, for every breach of trust, whether it is for an ox or a donkey, for a sheep, for a cloak, or for any kind of lost thing, of which one says, This is it, the case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep safe, and it dies or is injured or is driven away without anyone seeing it, an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. The owner shall accept the oath, and he shall not make restitution. But if it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to its owner. If it is torn by beast, let him bring it as evidence. He shall not make restitution for what has been torn. If a man borrows anything of his neighbor, and it is injured or dies, the owner not being with it, he shall make full restitution. If the owner was with it, he shall not make restitution. If it was hired, it came for its hiring fee. So we have here a long list of the fact that it is restitution should be made if something comes into disrepair, or an animal dies or something, while in the possession of somebody else. Sometimes this is equal restitution. Sometimes this is up to five times, depending on the circumstances. This gives the idea of Zacchaeus offering to pay back four times whatever he has stolen from people because salvation has come to his house that day. Now we move into a section that the ESV points out as laws about social justice. And we all love laws about social justice because we want to have that sense of society being in line. So we have verses 16 and 17. 
If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. This is one of those verses of scripture that has been so warped in society for many, many years. This verse is the go-to proof text for shotgun weddings. For a man having to marry a woman, either because he has had sex with her or she has gotten pregnant because they have had sex. This is the idea of making the woman an honest woman. I have never understood that phrase. I have never liked that phrase. Because marriage is not a coverall patch, a fix for the problem of the premarital sin. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I do remember there being a study done years ago, probably even 20 years ago now, that marriages based on the fact that they had to get married because of the conception of a child or because of premarital relations had like a 70 to 75% divorce rate in the first decade. It does not fix the problem. In fact, a lot of times it just exacerbates it because both sides feel trapped inside the marriage. It's not about making the woman an honest woman because if you look at the verse, if a man seduces a virgin, if a man comes along and coerces the woman into having sex with him, it is his fault. Yes, she is not blameless in the fact that she does, whether consent under coercion, under duress, or does not consent at all, she has her part in it. But it is the one who begins, who initiates the action that bears the greater guilt. This is not about making something honest out of it. This is, really that idea just covers over the sin and doesn't do anything to bring the sin to repentance. Now we look at verses 18 through 20. Kind of a hodgepodge here as just three things that seem to be completely out of character with each other, but are really kind of brought together. So verses 18 through 20. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. Okay, so first of all, Sorcery, witchcraft, divination, magic is demonic in origin. It is the idea that you can bring about some sort of power from the earth itself to control. Now, granted, Joseph does this a little bit in Egypt, at least he claims to do it, but... Whether he did or not, you know, remains to be seen from the text. Sorcerers, witches, warlocks, all these things are powered 
by demons. Then we go into, okay, bestiality, whoever lies with an animal. Well, we think, okay, this you know, should not be. But you have many of the ancient gods and goddesses who had animal forms. And they had times where it was part of the worship to have sex with an animal. God says, no, that is not proper. That is not the place for sex in your life. It is to be with your spouse. And this wraps this all back up again in verse 20. Sorcery, divination, bestiality, offering sacrifices to any other god brings you to destruction. There is no way around that. If you are offering sacrifices and worshiping a god outside the God of the Bible, you are not following the God of the Bible. Because he over and over and over again, throughout the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, talks about him being the one and only God to worship and serve. Now we move into verses 21 through 24, about how we are to be with those who are sojourning among us. Not native citizens, not naturalized citizens, but those who are sojourning, maybe refugee status, maybe come in under student visas, whatever. But what do we do for sojourners? Verse 21. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. Do not oppress the sojourners because you were once sojourners in Egypt, God says. The patriarchs were sojourners in the promised land before that. Having the promise of the land being given to their descendants, but never seeing that promise come to fruition. They lived in hope and anticipation, but they did not live with the reality. And so also, those sojourning can include the widows and orphans, as the widows are having to sojourn through life without their husband. Orphans without parents having to deal with bringing themselves up and raising themselves into adulthood, trying to do whatever is necessary in order to be able to go from one day to the next. Which is why there are so many laws in Leviticus about the widows and the orphans taking care of them so that they don't have to resort to selling themselves into slavery or even worse things. Now we move into verses 28 through 31. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen and with your sheep. Seven days it shall be with its mother. On the eighth day you shall give it to me. 
you shall be consecrated to me. Therefore you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beast in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. Being slow with your first fruits reviles God, brings contempt against God. And we do not want that. This was the problem with Cain and Abel. Abel brought the firstlings of his flock. Cain brought just whatever he found. It wasn't the first fruits of his harvest. It was kind of what was left over. Therefore, Abel's offering was accepted by God. Cain's was not. Because God gives everything, but wants first fruits. This is one of the reasons why Dave Ramsey, when he put out his budget plan, the first line on there is the offerings to your local congregation. As that should be, in his mind, the first check you write for the month or the pay period. Because being slow with your first fruits does revile God, does show contempt towards God. Another part of this is you must kill all the animals that you eat. You must be able to know for certain how this animal died. If And in the kosher food laws, there are strictures on if, on how, if it died. If it died certain ways, you could eat it. If it died other ways, you could not eat it. Here, it is one that it cannot be torn by beast. Otherwise, it is polluted by the beast starting to consume it. This is the idea of God setting up Israel as a very agrarian, self-sufficient economy. That they were able to provide for themselves, primarily their families first, but then also their neighbors, as was needed. Anything torn by beast, you shall throw it to the dogs. Uh, very much a quotation of G that Jesus makes to the Canaanite woman in the area of Tyre and Sidon as she begged for him to heal her daughter. That you shall not take what is holy and cast it to the dogs. You shall not take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What is given to the dogs is what is just considered refuse in the first place. Because dogs in the ancient world were scavengers and usually not kept as pets. Alright, we're going to move now into chapter 23 for a few minutes. We're going to start at this first section, uh, verses 1 through 9, as we finish up this section on laws about social justice before we get into God talking about the different feasts and the Sabbaths uh, that are to come. So chapter 23, verses 1 through 9. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many so as to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. You shall not pervert the justice due to the poor in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge, and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. 
and you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. You shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. Where does this come about most readily? Jesus' mock trial before the Sanhedrin on Monday, Thursday evening. Coming up with malicious, false witness after another, even taking his own words, but twisting them so that they don't even agree with each other, as they say. And people falling in just because maybe they weren't too sure about sending Jesus off to be condemned to death, but, well, everybody else was doing it. So they didn't want to be the outcast like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who very likely weren't even invited into the Sanhedrin's chamber uh, that night. God also says to show love and care for your neighbor, especially your enemies. Jesus picks this up in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, you shall love... Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said that you shall love your friends and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And so here we have the enemy coming and his ox or donkey going wayward or suffering under its burden that you are to help the you are to help bring the wandering animal back or to help rescue the beast from his burden. And you show no partiality for people regardless of social status what clan they are in, what tribe they are in. You do justice for everyone by doing the right thing for everyone. You don't take a bribe to side with one person or another. And again, you have the repetition of the being kind to sojourners because they are not in a position so that they can take care of themselves because they are in a foreign land at the mercy of the native citizens. Just like Israel in Egypt, just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the promised land. They owned nothing except for a small field that was used for their tomb. Other than that, everything was just the promise of something to come. And speaking of promises of things to come, I have to hear Stop and say and promise that next month, God willing, we will get into the establishment of the church year, as they would consider it for the Old Testament, with the Sabbaths, but also, but also the different feasts, the Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, those things. We'll get to that next month when we dig deeper into Exodus 23. But until then, this is Pastor Doug Minton. Wishing you God's richest blessings as you wrestle with theology this week.